Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Job. Amen. The book of Job, and we're going to read chapter number one. Amen. So good to see everyone here today. It's good to have Cade home. Cade has been back in the bayou, back in Louisiana, home with his family for six weeks or so, I think. Felt like three years, but it's been a while. We're glad you're home safely, Cade. Amen. Good to see everybody here today. How many of you are glad to see your neighbor? You might have rode in the same car with him to get here. But be thankful that they're in the house of God with you. Amen. If your family is all in church today together, don't take that for granted. Amen. That's a blessing from the Lord. Amen. To have your family in the house of God with you. Amen. As we prepare to get into the word this morning, I do want to again remind you that Friday we'll be hosting the service here for Patrick Scriber and the Scriber family will be honoring them, certainly, but uh, giving tribute to Patrick, his life, and uh, I'll be ministering in that service. Uh, viewing will be from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., and then the service will be from 11 until about noon with the uh, burial service taking place there at, uh, I think, Charles Memorial Gardens up in Leonardtown. So those of you that can make it out, let's come be a support to this family and let them know how much we love and appreciate them. Amen. Also, the ladies... Uh, ministry classes so there's going to be two of them this month and they're going to be on parenting amen when I uh, when, my, when my children were young I read all the books I could read on parenting biblical books amen there's a difference between godly parenting and worldly parenting at least there should be we should approach it much different our goals are different in raising our children uh, and and uh, I want I wanted to hear from people that had been effective in raising their children in the house of God and so my wife is going to be doing some teaching and kind of two parts. One will be uh, how to raise your children at home. And secondly, how to raise your children in church. How do you know there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do them? Got some hesitant amens there. Amen. How, how many of you know that as parents, there's no perfect parent? I don't know about you. I didn't get a book when my children were born saying, here's how you do it. There have been things that I got down the road and said, I wish I'd have done some things different. Well, we want to help you not to have that long list of I wish I would have done difference. All right? Because you only get one shot at raising your children. So we want to do our best to help you from a biblical perspective. Amen. Job chapter 1, verse 8. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, Amen. I want the Lord to be proud of me, but not that proud. Amen. If that's what happens to upright men, I want to be an almost upright man. God was bragging on Job and, and said, hey, if you considered my servant Job? And Satan answered and said, there's a reason why Job fears you. Hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? You've blessed him. You've given him increase in his substance. But God, I know this. If you put forth your hand right now and touch everything that he has, 
Job will curse you to your face. Job chapter 3, verse 3. God added again. Said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still, everybody say, and still, he holds fast his integrity. There's a lot in between chapter 1 and chapter 3. There's a lot that goes into God saying, and still. I pray that God one day will be able to say about me, and still. After all that I've been through, and still, amen, he holdeth fast his integrity. There's so many things that we could just get off on preaching here today. Amen. The, your dance doesn't matter if you don't have integrity. You can shout hallelujah on Sunday, but if you don't have integrity on Monday, your hallelujah is shallow. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And I want to preach for just a few minutes this morning on this thought. Confuse the enemy. Amen. Confuse the enemy. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. Behavioral science is a growing science, a popular science made up of psychiatry and sociology and lots of other ologies that study the behaviors of human beings, studying the tendencies and the actions that are conducted uh, these, these uh, studies are conducted by social scientists. The first laboratory that was dedicated to the study of human behavior was set up by Wilhelm Wundt, W-U-N-D-T, I think that's Wundt, in uh, 1879. But long before any laboratory was established, the study of human behavior was already in place and is still today ongoing. These studies that have been conducted and still are conducted today reveal how humanity is likely to act in certain situations and circumstances. Over time and through various means and methods, these researchers have studied humanity in various habitats and environments. They watch the way that certain conditions impact some people in one way, while they may impact another group of people in a completely different way. Anybody noticed on Facebook that all the things that are happening, there's People impacted one way on one side and another way on the other side. Don't think that there's not something behind all of that, knowing how people are going to respond when things go on. They have been able to perfect their studies and their science to make broad general statements that cover the majority of humanity. These studies of human behavior come to the conclusion that given certain conditions, that we can expect a certain outcome, that that given a certain condition, then anticipated and likely behavior is going to be this. One such general observation that has been applied to making uh, the, these observations was documented in an article presented by the Behavioral Economics Group. And they presented three basic laws of human behavior, and they used the framework of uh, Newton's laws of motion in physics. So, there were three basic laws of motion in, in physics, in, in Newton's laws of physics, and they kind of used those as a framework to describe three basic laws of humanity. The first one is this, that behavior tends to follow the status quo 
unless it is acted upon by a decrease in friction or an increase in fuel. That likely you're going to do what everybody else is doing unless there is a decrease in friction. There's an easier path or an increase in fuel. There's added incentive. I, I think we could test that today. I think I know your behavior. If right now I took a handful of $100 bills and I threw them in the air and I said the first one up here gets them. All right. It, first one's up here. You get whatever you get, you take home. I, I don't have to guess what your behavior. There would be a few of you that would sit back. Right, but most of you would, faster than you're going to get to the altar call, you would be coming to this altar. You, you would be, in, I, I, how do I know that? Because I do the same thing. It's human behavior. It's law number two, behavior is the function of the person and their environment. And law number three states that for every decision that is made, there are trade-offs and potential for unintended consequences. Now, I'm not going to dig into what they meant by those. I'm simply trying to bring across the point that they're able to study and make general uh, statements about how humanity is going to respond by studying human behaviors. And today the study of human behaviors has partner, partnered with technology to become a massive business. Shopping habits and search history are joined together to create algorithms that customize advertisements that bombard social media timelines and web pages alike. Right? Have you noticed that? That see, man, the things that are showing up on my on my timeline, it seems like they're listening in on my conversations. Oh, by the way, um, they probably are. Right? They, they, they've been they've been tapping into my. They know what I'm searching. They know they know what last time I bought. When I get on Amazon, they're already telling me what I want to get. Before I ever tell them what I want to get, they're already telling me based upon this, 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 and this. Hey, here's what you want. Right? I get on there and hair growth potion is the first thing that comes up. Because media companies have, or these marketing companies have, have discovered how to study human behavior and monetize your behavior. Media companies have discovered how to manipulate human behavior. They know that fear sells and so... They don't, they don't put good news on, on the front page of breaking news is not, oh, you know, somebody helped the neighbor cross the street today. No, it's a neighbor beat up their neighbor. It's, it's the news that's going to They know how to manipulate us. Right? While multiplied masses of knowledge, of insight, and understanding have been gathered through the research studies and observations of psychologists and sociologists, yet their ability to predict your tendencies and anticipate your responses and your reactions, it pales in comparison to one that has been studying human behavior longer than any scientist has been around, longer than any laboratory has been established to try to discover how humanity is going to, is going to act and react in certain environments. But there is one that has been studying humanity for much longer, and his plot is not to persuade your next, your next purchase on Amazon. His, his plot is not to predict your response to the next breaking news story. No, this one, the adversary, the devil, is working to predict your inability to flee from temptation and your propensity to be moved by human reasoning and carnal desires. 
Ever since the garden, the enemy has been watching the tendencies of humanity. Amen. I believe that that sly serpent was perched in the garden, hidden behind a bush somewhere, watching as day after day Eve walked by that tree in the midst of the garden. And he watched as as Eve would pass by that tree that God had forbidden them to eat from. Her, her, Her walk would begin to slow just a little bit. And she would begin to glance out the corner of her eye. And then the next day he watched as she paused for just a minute. And instead of glancing, she turned her attention to the tree. And the next day she stood in front of that tree and she stared at the fruit. And the devil knew by her behavior that the next thing that's going to happen is I'm going to tempt her and she's going to eat of the fruit. He saw the longing in her eye. He watched the way that she slowed ever so slightly when she passed that particular place in the garden. He knew just the time that she passed by and he perched himself in the tree at just the right time in just the right place to engage her in conversation that would lead to the fall of humanity. Because he knew, given the right circumstances, I know how she will respond. He watched intently as Cain considered the fact that God had just shown respect unto his brother Abel's sacrifice. He watched as the Bible says Cain's countenance fell. He watched on Cain's face the enemy looked and he saw there was something in the heart of Cain. He saw it. The behavior gave it away that there's something in the heart of Cain. The enemy measured the rising hatred in the heart of Cain. He calculated Cain's contempt, his animosity and his abhorrence toward his brother Abel. And then he knew that his suggestion that killing his own brother was the only way to appease the anger that raged within him and then at that moment the enemy nudged Cain and he reached out and slew his brother make no mistake this morning you may think that you can outwit outsmart and outmaneuver the devil but he's been studying humanity longer than you've been breathing air With incredible accuracy, he has predicting, he's been predicting how Noah's neighbors were going to respond to a radical preaching, telling them that doom was on its way. With impeccable precision, he has been surmising that Gehazi will not be able to resist the riches of Naaman, that David will fall for Bathsheba, that Samson won't be able to resist Delilah, that Judas will sell out the Savior for a pocket full of change. I hate to tell you, but the devil knows you better than you know yourself. He knows when you come to church and you've had a long week. He knows that when your boss gave you a demotion instead of a promotion, he knows it's going to hinder your worship. He knows it's going to cut off your prayer life. He knows the things that are going on in our nation right now, that if we we just go along with behavior, it's going to impact the church. He knows how you're likely to respond when temptation comes your way. Oh, not me. Devil don't know me. Oh, he knows you. When your coworker gets a promotion and you get a demotion, when somebody else is getting blessed and you're getting battered, he knows. He knows that sin lies at the door. He knows that when trials come and the heat is turned up, the chances are that your worship is going to waver and your walk is going to waver 
Your, your worship is going to wither when the trials come and the heat begins to turn up. He's aware that the chances are good that when finances are tight, you'll give God what belongs to him after everything else is taken care of. He knows our tendencies. He studied mankind long enough to understand we pray when we need something and we stray once God gives it to us. That's not one or two people, that's humanity. God, 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 I need, I need, I need, I need God. I'll be faithful, God. I'll be, and God, if you'll get me off this airplane flight, I promise you I'll never fly again. Airplane touches down, we book the next flight. God, I need that new car, I need that new boat, I need that new house. God, I need, I need, I need. He gives it to us. Now I can't come to church because of my blessing. He knows that. The devil knows that. He knows that. We're down with the fishes and loaves, but we're out when it comes to crosses and tombs. He's an expert at studying the tendencies and the responses of man. My point today is to bring out to you today that the devil knows your next move. The devil knows your tendencies. He knows your behavior. He knows that the things that are going on in our world right now are impacting the way that you think, the way that you look at your brother, the way that you feel about your sister. The enemy knows that it's natural for you to feel the way that you feel. And Cain, if you don't do something about it, sin is lying at the door. Yet in every generation, there is one, or there are those that upset the apple cart, that even though Amazon studied all the algorithms, and they figured you out, and they know what your next purchase is going to be, and they plastered it all over the walls, and they've heard your conversations, and they know what you're longing for, and when you get onto that Amazon cart, it's just waiting for you to click the button, and instead you click somewhere else, and Amazon goes to pieces. And in every generation, there are those that defy the inclinations of the adversary. And they go against the grain of the enemy. They rise when they're supposed to fall. They swim when they're supposed to sink. They stand when they should have bowed. They love when they should have hated. You have the ability to confuse the enemy. You have the ability to let the devil know, I know that's what you think I'm going to do, but I'm not going in that direction. I'm going another way. Some of you right now, by standing on your feet and giving God praise, you are confusing the enemy. The devil thought he had you. The devil thought you were done. He thought you were over. But the fact that you are still standing confuses the enemy. Somebody ought to give God praise right now. You ought to lift your hands. You ought to magnify the king. You need to confuse your enemy. He thinks he knows what your next move is. And in our text, in the book of Job, the devil comes before the Lord. The Lord says... Have you considered my servant Job? God, I pray, please don't, don't do that to me. He is upright and righteous. And the devil got this sly grin on his face. Job, Job, Job is no match for me. 
See, God doesn't understand. I've been studying men like Job for a long time. Those righteous men that love God with all their heart. But I've, I've been around some of those men. And I know that with the right circumstances, if I'll just get the right circumstances, if I'll just put the right circumstances in place, God, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to align the circumstances. And when I'm finished working, Job is going to curse you to your face. Look at what Job says in verse 9. Or rather what Satan says. He says, doth Job fear God for naught? In other words, he's saying this, Job's fear and devotion is tied to what you do for him. Start taking stuff from him. Let, start messing with his family and taking possessions away from him. And by the end of the day, Job will be cursing you to your face. Listen, we've got to be careful that our praise to God isn't tied to stuff and things. Amen. It's not tied to what God gives us. It's not tie, tied to what God does for us. Amen. But it's tied to the revelation of the goodness of God. It's tied to the understanding that he saved me. He reached down to the sin and he picked me up. He reached down and brought me out. And Job said, I've studied humanity long enough to know if you stop blessing him, he'll stop serving you. I believe the enemy is walking through the churches today and he's making that same declaration. God, take your hands off their stuff. Stop, let, let me get a hold of their stuff. Let me start taking some money out of their bank account. Let, let that stimulus check not get there when they thought it was going to come. I promise you, they won't worship you on Sunday like they would if they would have got the check. How many of you have called the hotline to see where your check is at? All right. By the time the sun goes down, if you will let me mess with Job's stuff, if you'll let me start messing with Job's family, by the time the sun goes down, Job will be cursing you to your face. But let me read to you the words of Job as the sun goes down. The last words as the sun set on the horizon in Job chapter 1. After every possession he had had been stripped away. After every member of his family had gone by the way of the grave. Here are the last words of Job. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name. You have the ability to confuse the enemy. He thinks by the end of the day you'll be cursing the Lord. But somebody needs to make up in your mind. If you take everything, if the whole family walks away, I'm still going to bless you. Somebody ought to give God praise in the middle of your adversity. The devil thinks he knows your next move. The devil thinks he knows that he can mess with your possessions. The enemy thinks he knows. But you ought to confuse the enemy and give God praise. I'm not going to do what the devil thinks I'm going to do. The devil backed up and said, all right. You got me there. But I do know. I, that one was 99% accurate, but this is the most accurate algorithm of them all. Let me touch his body. Give him one of those toothaches that you can't sleep in the middle of the night. Let the doctor give him a negative report. 
See, Satan said, I've watched humanity long enough to know if you let me touch their body. I promise you, 100% accuracy on this one. He will curse you to your face. And at the end of that second day, Job's body covered in painful boils, racked with affliction. The Bible says he would sit there and the dogs would come and lick his wounds. Nobody else would have anything to do with him. He's sitting in a pile of ash. He's got a broken piece of pottery and he's scraping open those wounds. It's disgusting. I can't even make it as vile as it was. And then his wife on top of that walks up and says, Job, why don't you curse God and die? Everything the devil said, if this, that, and the other will happen, it's all happened. And the enemy is just waiting. He says, I know his next move. I've studied humanity long enough to know this is where Job stands up and with his last breath points his finger and curses you to your face. But let me read to you the last words of Job. He said, shall I receive good at the hand of God and not evil and in all of this did not Job listen God's been too good to me God's been too good to you I'm not entitled to anything but I'm going to give God praise no matter what he comes my way I'm reaching for some folks in this building right now. You still got all your possessions and you can't praise him. God hasn't taken one thing from you and you still can't glorify him. Let me tell you, you're playing right into the enemy's hand. You need to stand up and let the devil know you don't know me like you thought you did. I will not do what the devil thinks I will do. When the devil brought the fury of hell, when he stripped away every possession of Job and covered his body in boils, Job confused the devil. Instead of walking away, he worshiped. Instead of cursing the name of the Lord, he blessed the name of the Lord. I just want you to do something right now that would confuse the devil. just want you to do something right now it's the last thing in the world the devil is expecting you to do you have the ability to confuse the enemy you have the power to confuse the adversary Let me tell you what's going on in our nation right now. The enemy knows that if we just go along with what he thinks is next, black won't be able to worship with white. And white is going to start looking bad at black. But we're going to confuse the devil and let him know we're going to worship together. Let's confuse the enemy. Come on, James. Let's confuse the enemy. Somebody get the hand of your neighbor. Confuse the enemy. 
Come on, this is my brother. Skin color doesn't matter in the kingdom. We're not letting racism in this church. We're not letting racial division in the body of Christ. The enemy thinks he's got us, but we will confuse the enemy. Put your mask on if you need to, but I want you to find somebody right now and give them a hug. Hopefully you understand what I'm asking you to do. Don't, don't, white people, don't find white people. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about being intentional. Come on. Come on, JB. Can I tell you, we just confused the enemy. Hell right now is running, running to its whiteboard. Hell is running back to its smart board. It's writing on the, I don't know what to do now. I thought for sure. I thought for sure I was going to divide the body of Christ. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to get loose in this house right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hey, church, we've got the ability to confuse the enemy. The enemy thinks the church is finished. The enemy thinks the church is done. But we're about to confuse the enemy. Come on, Cain. You don't have to slay Abel. Come on, Eve. You don't have to eat the fruit. I'm almost finished. The universe's greatest behavioral scientist whispered into the ear of Nebuchadnezzar. Play the music one more time. I know this time those boys are going to bow. They're courageous when the rest of the crowd is standing. But I've watched humanity long enough to know that when the cancel culture comes along, when the popular opinion turns against them, when they figure out that they're not the majority any longer but they're the minority... When the music starts playing now, I guarantee you they will bow. Turn up the fire seven times hotter. Manipulate them with the possibility of death, and I promise you their worship will wane. Anybody can worship when there's no risk. Anybody can be a Christian when, when, it, when, it, when it's Sunday morning and a picnic after church. But you throw a fiery furnace in the mix. And I know humanity. Nebuchadnezzar, I guarantee you that if you'll turn up the furnace seven times hotter, they will bow. But when the music started playing and all around them, people started bowing. And it was just three boys still standing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego squared their shoulders and they flipped the script on the enemy. And they let him know, I will not do what you think I will do. Come to let the devil know I'm not Christian because it's convenient. I'm Christian because of Calvary. 
And if America turns their back on God, I'm still going to serve him. If America outlaws the Bible, I'm still going to read it. Tell your neighbor the devil thinks he knows you. In the lion's den, Daniel was supposed to be the prey, but instead he prayed. Nero is feeding Christians to lions and using their bodies as torches to light the streets of cities. The devil was sure that the church was going to crumble and fall apart, except the church did not crumble and fell apart. Instead, it grew, it spread, and it prospered. Paul and Silas are beaten and bloodied. They're bound in the bottom of a prison at midnight. It's the perfect place for the Philippi prison blues. But instead, Paul and Silas opted for the jailhouse rock. And they begin to sing praises. And I'm not going to do what the devil thinks I'm going to do. Devil, you thought I was going to come to church on Sunday and suck my thumb. I've got news for you. I came to give God praise. I wish somebody would confuse the enemy right now. And in 2021, nine, ten days in, the enemy is cashing in on thousands of, he's putting all his chips on this hour. Thousands of years of studying human behavior. From Eve to Cain to Samson to Gehazi, Judas, Demas. We're pressed up against the backdrop of the coming of the Lord. The enemy is standing back admiring his work. All around us, people are doing exactly what the devil thought they would do. Friends hating one another now. Families being torn apart. Churches being divided. The enemy is standing back. I knew this would happen. I told you. All that righteousness, that was just superficial. Got the church fussing, fighting over racial tension political problems, people backsliding and walking away from God over a virus, churches split in half over mask mandates, people twisted up in church pews because they haven't got their stimulus check yet. I'm just telling you how it is. Hey, I'm one of you. I'm a little, I haven't got mine yet. So I want you right now to think about what's going on in your world. Some of you are on the brink of a decision that will destroy your family. Your, your walk by that tree has become a little slower. Your fixation upon that fruit has become a little more of a stare than a, than a glance. The enemy knows your next move is a decision that will you'll not be able to recover from. Some filled with racial tension, turmoil. It's affecting the way you walk into church and view your brothers and sisters. You feel like you're about to lose your mind. So caught up in all the angst of our time, can't even think straight.
So I want to ask you, what does the enemy think your next move is going to be? Everybody in this building, we're all in different places. We're dealing with different circumstances, but the enemy thinks he knows your next move. The enemy thinks your circumstances have robbed you of your praise. The enemy thinks that the situation as it is right now, that their next move is going to be a step into sin. The next move is David is going to call for Bathsheba, and then the kingdom is going to be destroyed. I've been studying humanity long enough to know this is their next move, but it doesn't have to be. You have the ability right now to confuse the enemy. Somebody in this building has the ability to walk down to this altar and say, I will not let racism into my heart. I know what's going on in my world and I I don't like any of it, but I will not let it affect the way that I look at you. I refuse to. Devil, you will not control my next move. Some of you that are in a place of temptation, you need to get out of your pew and walk down to this altar. Devil, you think you know me, but you don't know me. You think you've got me, but I've got the ability to confuse my enemy. Come on, there's a Job in the house right now. There's a Job in the house right now that the enemy has spoken to God about you. And he said, hey, if you put him in just the right situation, I know they will curse you. Their worship won't be what it used to be. Their devotion won't be what it should be. I know, I know, I know I've been studying humanity long enough. Somebody ought to walk down here right now and raise your hands and say, devil, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't understand my righteousness is not Sunday morning righteousness. My love for my brother is not superficial. It's not skin deep. It goes deeper than that. Somebody, you need to confuse the enemy if you don't confuse him. If you don't do something different than what the devil thinks you're about to do. Sin lieth at the door. speaks very clearly about what offenses will do it says that if you let a root of bitterness spring up it says it will defile many it says a root a root is just a small thing you can't deal with bitterness when it's full grown you have to deal with it when it's a root and if you've got an offense in your spirit if you got an offense in your spirit it may be it may be just in general, the things that have been going on in our world, you feel kind of a, a disdain toward a certain, certain group of people. And that could be so many different things today. It could be politically, it could be masks, it could be color, it could be so many things. That's a root of bitterness. If you've got an offense in your spirit because somebody did something or didn't do something, it's a root of bitterness. And the enemy knows what happens next. Bitterness is one of the most difficult things to deal with because it stays hidden for so long. And by the time it manifests itself, it's too late. So I may not know today you're dealing with bitterness, but you know, you know inside. I want to ask us all across this room right now, God, if there is bitterness in my heart, Lord, if there is offense toward any person against any group of people, 
anything, any root, any small thing, if it's just a thought that I have allowed to linger in my mind, I know the enemy has been studying human behavior long enough to know what that will do in the end. And I came today to confuse the enemy. I'm going to forgive. That's how you deal with bitterness is to forgive. Forgive. They may not have done anything to you personal, but you got to forgive. Come on, Jesus did. I could never forgive them. Jesus on the cross, after having been beaten, spat upon, cursed, nails pierced in his hands, a spear thrust in his side, he looked at the same people that had just done that and said, Father, forgive them. I know everybody tends to, lunch plans get real important when you start touching on bitterness. All of a sudden, people unplug from altar call, get distracted because this is, the enemy knows this is where it's really at. It's not about how many tears you cry. It's about what's going on in your heart. I'm going to ask us one more time to dig in there real deep. God, is there any root of bitterness? God, if I'm bitter at my pastor for a way he's handled all of this, the way he hasn't handled certain things, God, forgive, forgive me, Lord. Help me to get that bitterness out of my spirit. God, if I'm bitter toward any saint in this church for anything that's been done or hasn't been done, any perceived offense that has come my way, We need grace to be able to forgive. So God, I'm asking you right now to let your grace be extended throughout this building. God, let your perfect love cast out all fear. God, you said that your love covers a multitude of sins. If we will love one another, it can cover the wrongs that have been done. You don't have, I don't have to understand why you did it. I don't have to understand your motives behind it. If I will just get filled with love for you, it will cover all of the mess. God, give me a love for my world. Give me a love for people that right now I don't understand why they're acting the way they're acting. I can't figure out what's going on in our society today, Lord, all of the animosity and hatred one for another. Lord, I ask you to give me a love even for those that I can't understand, that I can't comprehend. Come on, church. It's got to start here. The Bible says there are no, we're his disciples by the way that we love. Not by the way we dance, the way we sing, but by the way we love. I believe our world is going to be impacted by the love of this church. In Jesus' name. I know, I know lunch plans are waiting. I got it. Maybe your football team is playing today. I don't know. But I'm asking us just one more minute. Can we pray, God, give us love. Give us the same love that led you to Calvary. Give us the same love that allowed you to look at the perpetrators that put nails in your hands and you said, forgive them, God. Give me that kind of love. I don't know that we really want to pray that prayer because it's going to cause us to lay down some, some mindsets that we've kind of gotten a hold of. But I'm asking us to dig a little bit deeper right now. I think the Holy Ghost can do something in this building that gets beyond our mind and it gets into our heart. That God can give us the ability to love people that right now when you walked into this room today, you couldn't stand them. But God will give you the ability to love them. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. For God so loved the world, all the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, 
have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. So I want to conclude this way. I want you to get the hand of your neighbor or put your fist, I don't know, whatever. Just do something. 2021, do, do what you want to do. I want us to pray for our world right now. I want us to pray out of love. Not out of a God get them, but out of love. People are reacting. The devil knows. The devil knew all this was coming. He knew how they would respond to what's been going on. He calculated this. And people are responding in ways they can't even control. I'm asking us right now to pray the love of God. The love of God would would get into us and that it would become contagious that we get into a world that right now is just losing its mind, acting, just acting out. The enemy knew, the enemy is manipulating people. Lord, I ask you, let it start in this building. Let there be a love, a genuine, authentic love, not a surface love where we hug each other on Sunday and then talk about each other on Monday or avoid each other in the grocery store on Tuesday. No, a deep love. That love would extend beyond just the people in my church. It would extend to the people in my community. It would extend to the drug dealer and the alcoholic. It would extend to the police officers in our community and the perpetrators alike. God, that we're going to love everybody. Even my enemies. One of the hard teachings of Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount was to love your enemies. Love them that spitefully use you. Jesus name so here's what I want to ask us to do throughout this week I want to ask you to confuse the enemy when that person cuts you off in traffic confuse the enemy don't wave at them whatever wave you usually use don't wave confuse the enemy those moments of tension in your home when you and your spouse could begin to, maybe that only happens in, not our home, I'm just saying some homes. <laughs> Confuse the enemy. When it's Monday morning and you're, I hit the snooze button and sleep a little longer or I can get out of bed and spend a few minutes in prayer. Confuse the enemy. I promise you, if you'll start, here's what the Bible says about Job. His end was better than his beginning. Because Job started confusing the enemy, the end was, and I'm telling you, the end of this church is going to be better than our beginning. The end of this church is going to be better. The end of our nation, I believe, is going to be better than our beginning. Amen. So my last call, and I keep saying last, so. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm gonna wait on-